0: very much separated yourself from this other side of you, but I find that this disassociation helps keep things objective. It helps you see the shame and fear for what they are. Hello everyone and welcome to the Becoming a Beauty Witch podcast. I'm Vella, your host, and today we're going to be talking about shadow work. So I'm really excited to talk to you guys about this today, but before we get into it, I do want to discuss a very important very important, a very important thing, and that is um, Animal Crossing. Yeah, what's your friend code? Let's be friends. DM me on Instagram for your friend, uh, what your friend code is, or for my friend code, and we shall be friends. Um, I literally have four friends, and none of them are online. I just want to hang out on islands with you people, and we can ignore. All of our responsibilities. Um. Okay, but enough of this. Um. Alright, that was my important message today. Okay, back to the episode. So, I'm one thing I am going to try not to do in this episode is this. I made like so many of those sounds in the last episode that it was very annoying. I also felt like I talked really fast so I'm going to try to not do that this time and instead talk like a normal person and that's it. Okay so are you ready to deepen your spiritual practice because that is what shadow work is all about. It's about diving deep into your soul, finding various different characters there, your closeted shadow, the deep dark parts of yourself you're told Uh, do not deserve to be brought to light. It's finding your inner child, the parts of you that may have been literally broken off and kept as they were when they were broken. Um, Suppressed dreams that you may have, um, your inner instinctual wild animal, all of these people are lurking under the surface as well as actual demons. And when I say demons, I don't mean like you're being possessed. What I mean is parts of yourself that are directly sabotaging your well-being so it could be addiction it could be um biting your nails it could be like bad money mindsets um and other things those are sort of like well addictions is pretty heavy but like biting your nails bad money mindset a lot of that might not might not come from trauma but a lot of your demons stem directly from trauma and we're gonna dive into what a demon is and how to um how to get in contact with that demon and become friends, basically. As well as extending a hand to all those hidden parts of yourself that you once told were no were not welcome, and welcoming them and accepting them. So this is the content for this podcast episode because this one is also probably gonna be about an hour. So we're gonna talk about what shadow work is. We're gonna do a little recap. We're going to talk about what it means to face a demon and then I'm gonna give you a waning moon ritual. A lot of this is great to do in the, like shadow work is awesome to do in the liminal spaces between the new and, the, new and full moon. I know a lot of people aren't really sure what to do there. So you can do this kind of stuff in those places. We're also going to be talking about what it means to embrace your inner shadows. So I created like a dichotomy of language in this episode. Okay, so my dichotomy of language is there's demons, which are the things that are sabotaging you, and your inner shadows, which are just innocent pieces of you that you or a demon inside of you have squashed and um, hindered, basically. Oh my god, I just made that lip smack sound. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. Okay, so, oh, and then I'm also going to be giving you a waxing moon ritual for embracing your inner shadows. So you will have a ritual for both parts of the, like, like the other moon phases. We're also going to be talking about what it means to make actual changes in your life, depending on the shadow work. Like what to do after you've done the spiritual side of the shadow work. Um, We'll talk about that too. So what the heck is shadow work? We're going to recap that. Um, I'm sure you've heard that many times, but I have never, me personally, I've never seen like a very strict definition. And so I invented a definition based on what I have learned from Jesse Huttenberg. I highly suggest if you want to dive really deep into shadow work to um, look at her website and follow her on social media because she is an awesome resource on shadow work and tarot. Also, I found Lindsay Mack's uh, philosophy around tarot as aligns a lot with shadow work. Um, I really love her podcast, Tarot for the Wild Soul. I highly suggest you listening to that as well. Okay, but what is shadow work? Well, my definition for shadow work is the inner work of facing your demons, asking yourself why you are the way that you are, and then having the courage to actively work against detrimental behaviors and beliefs The demons, while also embracing the hidden and shamed parts of yourself, the shadows. It's the spiritual and psychological work of dealing with your shit, essentially. And if you want to get deeper into this and you're not really sure, like, the basics of shadow work and you haven't seen part one, you need to go listen or watch um, my What is Shadow Work part one video because you're not gonna, this is gonna be, this is step two, right? Let's part two. You're gonna need part one for this. Okay, So we're going to first start with facing your demons because I feel like a lot of times this is easier to wrap our heads around than uncovering our shadows. So what does it mean to face a demon, I guess, is like what is going through my head right now. Basically, okay, so sorry, I have a lot of stuff going in my head and I'm like, where do I start? Okay, so what is a demon? A demon is... Learned but unproductive and most likely harmful behaviors or beliefs. Most of the time this behavior was learned somewhere in your past. And it was technically learned as a means of survival. It was learned a lot of times in childhood and adolescence as a way to not die. Either socially, literally, or um, emotionally. So I'm going to give you some examples of what are um, demons. Gossiping or starting rumors. A good example of how that was learned is um, if you weren't a part of the it crowd, if you weren't gossiping or starting rumors about other people, you would have committed social suicide. Um, think Caddy from Mean Girls. The only way for her to survive her new school is to take down the plastics by doing exactly what they do to everybody else, by sabotaging them. And so she, if she didn't have like that whole... If she didn't have the character arc she did, and instead stayed that way, um, she could have learned that gossiping and starting rumors and other bad behaviors like that are essential to surviving in the world, when really, in reality, they're not. Um, More harmful and um, unproductive behaviors are recklessness, settling um, for harmful situations, bottling emotions. Um, consistently quitting things before you find out whether or not you succeeded lying or being secretive or hoarding food and items also I want to mention that I'm trying my best not to call any of these things or habits or what have you bad because they at one point in your life were not bad let's take hoarding food Maybe there was a point in your childhood where if you did not hoard food, you would have literally starved to death, regardless of whether or not you're conscious of this. Um, So it's not, at that point in time, it wasn't bad. And also, I don't think you should punish yourself for having had learned this behavior, because a lot of times you were not the adult in the situation. You were not the one that knew better, if that makes sense. Um... There's no punishment. There's no moral value. Um, It is important to recognize that these behaviors are harmful and they do not they are not productive in making a happy healthy person because they are sabotaging who you are, the places you want to go. So that's very important to be aware of which is what shadow work does. It helps you become aware of that. Um, It helps bring demons to light. But I don't want you to think that you should feel shame for having these demons. Everybody has demons, everybody has um, trauma, and everybody has things that they have learned in their life that are bad for them. Everyone does and there's no there's no point in comparing demons, there is no point in comparing trauma because it literally is an individual thing. Like It doesn't make anything better once you start comparing trauma. So I just want to have this little disclaimer that there is no shame at all in having a demon. Demons are natural parts of being a human, of literally any any living creature actually. Um, A lot of the times like shelter dogs have very distinct personalities because they've had to learn that if they do certain things like food aggression is the only way they'll be able to eat. And so this is a very natural part of living life is creating these um survival tactics and then when you're put in a situation where that survival tactic doesn't work but you're still using it that's when it becomes a demon so there's no shame um also i want to mention that a lot of these times these demons happen during childhood or adolescence and and many different parts of our life could compound and create the same demon. So for instance, you may not, there may not be one track to the demon. So if you're like going through and trying to un- uncover the root of where this came from, you may have a really hard time figuring out the root because it couldn't, it, you might not have, you might not be somebody with a like one distinctive, one or a few distinctive traumatic experiences. There may not be something quote unquote big um, that you can link something back to. It's not like, oh yeah, that time I got in a car accident. Like, there is no thing. There's no event, right? It could have been a lot of really small things. Um, for instance, if you are a, a woman who grew up as a woman, who grew up uh, identifying as a girl in middle middle school and high school, you may relate to this. Having people point out things insecurities about yourself that you didn't know existed and they don't point it out and as a means to bully you they just make it known so like when i was a teenager um i obviously knew i had a cleft chin but like i didn't know this bad so i would get pointed out to me all the time and then i like my brows are naturally very far apart on my face i fill them in so they're not as bad my friends would point these out to me just like you're just like doing makeup in the bathroom like your brows are really far apart okay and so now like as more of these things small things are compounded against each other you're gonna get more insecure about certain things and you may do things that cause you to not like have a demon basically i guess my whole point is like there's like there could be little little things i can build up over time and create the same one demon which is totally valid, and basically every little thing that compounds upon it is just validating that demon's need for um, survival. So, in my case, it was pointing out something else about the other person that, was, that I knew would hurt them, <laughs> that was bad, or uh, quote-unquote bad, that I knew they would be insecure about. Um, and then the demon, I luckily did not bring that into adulthood. I learned that it was really bad right away um, to do to people. I'm, I'm not friends with some of the people that this happened to. But basically, I became a bully back. And if I would have brought that into adulthood, I might have been way more harsh on constructive criticism than needed to be. I may have been way more defensive about literally anything. Um, things like that could have became a demon for me. I also think it's important to, notice, to note that things that are demon for one person are not always demons for others. Um, that's why it's very individual and there's no shame. So the good news is that it is um, never too late to pursue changing or um, becoming friends with this demon. And I want to say becoming friends because I don't want you to think of your demon as something that is infecting you or, or possessing you. Instead, it's, this, it's a part of yourself that you grew, that you housed, that you accepted because it was actively helping you. So, um, that's how you fight them, to be honest, is you thank them and you let them go. So we're gonna dive into the Waning Moon ritual now, so I can give you a very practical look at how you would do this kind of shadow work in a ritual sense, and I'm just gonna read the ritual for you on um but it's on my blog post both of the rituals are on my blog post they have darker backgrounds than the rest of the posts so you can quickly scroll to them they also have an infographic that you can print or have on your computer or on your pinterest when you need them um but this is the this is the ritual for the waning moon for your shadow work for facing your demons specifically so why the waning moon the waning moon is a perfect time to Face your demons, because it is a time of release. Um, It is a time of slowly going inward. So the new moon is about really going inward, but more in a what-do-you-want kind of sense. The waning moon is a good time to go inward in a um, dealing with emotional things kind of sense. Sorry if I keep looking this way. My window is right here, and I get really distracted by, like, the birds and my garden and stuff. But, um basically this time of the month or this time of the moon cycle will be good because you can use the moon's energy of like it's not reflection it's like it's like half it's like half reflection half um going inward to really uh, basically exercise the demon also this is a good time for release so you did a big manifestation ritual in the full moon and now you release um to the universe so that way in the new moon you can start afresh. Also, this ritual may be important for you to do multiple times. Either multiple waning moon periods or within the waning moon period within the few days of it. Um, and do the spiritual side before you can be again, working on the mundane more habit-breaking side. I find that a lot of times like self-help books that help you stop doing something, um, help you break habits will not talk about the d- deeper inner emotional work. And instead they will just say like, oh, stop biting your nails. Okay, in your phone, write that down as an affirmation and then track how many days you do it. And then when you do not bite your nails for seven days, give yourself a piece of cake. Like, they don't talk about like overcoming the emotional things. This will help you with that. And remember, like I said in part one, basically shadow work is therapy you do on yourself. So this is very emotional. Um, You can, I highly suggest calling to um, guides, calling to angels, calling to ancestors to help protect you in this time and be like a parental role or a guide during these rituals because doing them alone is also very hard. And so that's one thing I do when um, or even calling to, like, archetypes that you love. Like, if you're somebody who works with Jesus. Or you have, like, tarot archetypes. Like, the high priestess that you feel connected to or deities. Calling to them and having them sort of be there as this spiritual, um, I don't know, like, comfort. This source of power and source of, um, like, that parental role, if that makes sense. Okay. The hardest part of this ritual is you're going to need to know what demon you want to get rid of. So, if you aren't, I suggest starting with internal biases, like any internalized racism or homophobia you may have, or transphobia, or any of the phobias, um, or with any limiting beliefs you have. Start there. Most, like almost everybody's got internal biases or limiting beliefs. So, just start there. It's a really good place to start. Um, and you can then do other journaling exercises and things like that to uncover more demons or ask people that love you and support you what they think you can work on is <laughs> a good thing too. Okay, so the, the ritual. What you're gonna need is a candle, preferably a black one, but use whatever you have on hand. You'll need an empty jar that has a lid on it and then other like biodegradable materials like dirt or coffee grounds or something like that and then a notebook and a pen. So what you're going to do is you're going to cast a circle or create a sacred space as according to your practice. You're going to light your candle and you're going to begin to meditate. And I want you to begin to say the name of your demon, whether out loud or in your brain, over and over. It can be literally what it is or you can give the demon a name. Um, And as you do this, I want you to create a persona for the demon. Like, create a character for them. What do they look like? Are they scary? Are they silly? Are, do they look like a person? What do they look like? Create a persona. And as you sort of, like, um, truly engross yourself in this, like, character creation, I want you to imagine them sitting across from you. So you're at a table. Maybe you're at your altar. And they're sitting in a chair across from you. So, like, if we were doing this here now in my... um witchy room or my office I'm sitting at my desk or my altar and there's a rocking chair right there so they would just be sitting right there so yeah take take the time and imagine them like what do they do do they like sit down in a puff of smoke because they're magic do they walk into the room like really get a very like envision them arriving in as close to as realistic as possible in the sense that um Like use as many senses as you can to envision them there. So if you can smell them, what do they sound like? What does their voice or their footsteps sound like? Can you hold their hand? Things like that. Um, And when they walk in, this is gonna be an interview. I want you to shake their hand or whatever feels most appropriate greeting for them. Ask them to sit down and we're going to discuss. So I want you to first begin the discussion by uh, opening it with gratitude. You should feel the gratitude within you. Remember, there's no shame. This demon you created to help you survive. Your childhood self or teenage self most likely invented this demon. They found them. They created them to help them get through. You would not be here without said demon. They are honestly like... They have helped so much in your life. So it is very important for you to begin this whole process with immense gratitude. Tell them that um, you are very grateful for them. Explain to them why. Explain to them how they have helped you survive. And where you would, how you would not be here without them. But unfortunately, <laughs> it's not working out anymore. You need to fire your demon. Because you are the boss of your own life. Um and your demon is no longer serving your life the same way they were this is pretty hard it's important for you to envision the demon exactly how you think they would react would they lash out Um, and now you feel a lot of fear of what's gonna happen are they gonna storm out now you don't know like how you're gonna like continue this process or are they also very humble about it what what do they do also as your meditation or your imagination sort of takes over, you may find like the younger self who created this demon comes up and tries to convince you to leave them to keep them to stay. You may find another demon comes in who is closely connected with um, this other one, attends as well. It's very important for you to deal with these conflicts. And I like to deal with them in these very like dream like visualization ways because to me, it allows me to sort of disassociate from it and not feel as emotionally connected. And that, in and of itself, lets me deal with it. If I can create a character and, and like, have... You can't see it if you're listening, but I'm, like, holding up to imaginary Barbies. If I can, like, have them fight and, like, do-do-do, like, have it like that and play pretend, it's easier for me to deal with it. And I think that's very much, like, an inner child thing. So... Yes, do that. And then once you feel like you're sort of pushed past the conflicts and you're ready to end, because this is a very emotional thing, it's important for you to chant, thank you, but you're fired over and over and over again. Eventually, you want to get it to the point where the demon is getting uncomfortable and you know that they know. They know they're fired. You may have to do this multiple times on multiple days to get them to realize that they are fired. Um, And you should feel like an inner flame. Like the reason the candle is here is uh, for a energy, to help you with your energy. So you should feel the welling. You should feel like a warm uh, heat rising in your belly welling up in your stomach and you can take the flame, you can look in the flame of the candle to help you envision it. And you should sort of feel it welling up and as it makes its way up your esophagus and into your mouth you may feel you have a lot of spit in your mouth I want you to take your, I want you to collect that spit in your mouth. Don't swallow it or anything. And take your jar and spit into it. Because you're spitting out the demon. You are putting the demon, you're eradicating the demon from your body. And you can spit into it however feels most natural. I'm not good at spitting. So I'd probably spit multiple times. (laughs) I'm not one of those people who can like spit a big like nasty thing of spit. I spit like a mister. But yes, spit into the into the jar and use other dirt to sort of like pack it in, bury it in there, and seal it away with the lid. Uh, this is grounding the demon to the jar; it's diffusing and neutralizing their energy into the dirt and the other um, compostable material. It's a literal interpretation of the energetic ritual we did. After the ritual, it's important to do any grounding techniques you do, um, or any like closing of the ritual you feel like you need to do. As, this, as the days lead up to the new moon, you can continue doing this ritual by spitting into the jar. So you can start with like a jar that has like none of the compost or very little in it and slowly fill the jar with dirt um, until the new moon. During this time, you also should be journaling, of course, all that's going on. And then eventually when the jar is full, you can dump it out or b- bury the jar whole, depending on what feels most best to you I'd probably dump it out because like I'm not gonna bury a jar but I would bury it at a crossroads or somewhere that feels safe to bury your demon so that is facing your demons thank you we're only halfway through um that went actually way faster than I expected it to I expected that to be 30 minutes and according to my recording it was only 26 okay so also it's gotten dark now So, sorry the lighting is really crappy. Okay. We are going to talk embracing your inner shadows. So, this is the other side of the Shadow Work coin. This one is so much more emotional to me than the Demon's one. Because the Demon's one you already have a vendetta against. You already know that they're not helping. You already know you want to get rid of them. Um... You already have like this disconnect, right? Whereas the hidden shadow is that's directly questioning who you are and having a lot of identity things come up with embracing your inner shadows. And that's because you're looking within and you're finding parts of yourself that you have made a direct decision to protect or stifle or hide um, because they just weren't, you didn't think that they would be accepted out in the light. So a lot of times what inner shadows are, they are like pieces of you that wouldn't fit in um, with the current situation you were dealing with. And you also did this as a form of survival. You knew that if you had let these pe- let this part of you out and embraced it and expressed it, you could die basically. And like I said last time, you would die socially literally or emotionally. And so at the time you had to suppress them. And they're called shadows and not they're not the same as demons again because they um were not manifested by you. They were not created. They were they were parts of you. They're parts of your identity. That you push down out of shame or fear. So some examples of shadows you may have are suppressed sexuality or gender identity, um, suppressed inner style hobbies or interests that you were either made fun of or been uh, just were in general ashamed of. Like if you feel like a goth person on the inside but you knew that if you dressed goth like your parents would disown you like that kind of thing. Um, you're a literal inner child or teenager if you grew up too fast. More instinctual or animalistic wild sides of ourselves. I know for a lot of people that are women identifying and were raised as women, um, you may have been told that something that's not very ladylike of you. And so you may have hidden more of the things that you wish you could do, like ride a dirt bike. Um, More like stereotypical or more in the gender role of masculine Like, that, I don't know, that also doesn't necessarily need to be wild. But, like, I know that as a woman, being considered wild isn't appropriate. Like, going out and getting dirty and, like, just peeing wherever you wanted. (laughs) That was fine for boys, but as a girl, you were told that's not okay. So, more wild parts of yourself, or, like, very sexual parts of yourself... I say fucking do it. Um, Deeper inner faith or philosophy. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. You might have suppressed ancestral or cultural norms that you have and do a lot of code switching. um, And you feel shame around those ancestral or cultural norms. Or you may have just in general bottled emotions around trauma and those pieces of yourself that were dealing with the trauma at the time. Those emotions you just never addressed. So all of these things are shadows, right? Um, And at the time that you were first developing or coming to terms with these shadows is when you learned that it was unsafe to share them. You learned to be ashamed of them or be afraid to have them, essentially. Because they essentially were hidden out of shame or fear. It was one or the other. So instead of letting them be expressed, you forced them down. You stifled them. So, at first, this type of shadow work may seem fun and like lighthearted. Like, oh my gosh, I get to talk to my inner child. It's not. It's worse. It's worse than the demons. It's so much worse. Um, especially if it has any trauma. Like, oh my gosh, dealing with inner child stuff and like having to embrace your inner child is so tough. Like, you don't think it's going to be tough going into that meditation and then suddenly your like meditative guide is like okay now I want you to just rock your baby self and you're like oh god yeah it's not (laughs) it's not as fun as it sounds like it will be but and because a lot of it is comfort a lot of it is reparenting and I think that's the hard part is like no parent is perfect and I'm not blaming parents especially if you are one but going back on and everybody has childhood trauma so like going back and having to embrace the inner child or parts of yourself that you stifled in childhood and um adolescence and then having to reparent that part of yourself and be like it's okay we love you it's okay like is almost traumatic in and of itself and like you just it's very hard to do and so this can take a lot of work I would suggest doing this work the same way you would the Facing Your Demons work during the waxing moon period. The waxing moon period is a time of bringing things to light. Um, It's a time of doing practical work, Um, so you're not doing a lot of spiritual work typically in this time if you're following the moon cycle, and um, it can help you manifest later. So that's what you would do. This, I find, also has a lot of practical work in it because it involves um, parenting yourself on a daily basis to embrace this part of yourself, which can be very practical. So what is the ritual? So I'm going to walk you through the ritual. Same way I did last one. Again, you can find this ritual. This one, the last one had a black background. This one has a yellow one. If you just go to my blog post, you can scroll until you find them and then you can have them to use whenever you're ready okay so for this ritual this one is not as cut and dry as the last one you're not going to be like okay i accept that i'm gay now like it's not going to be that simple this one is to introduce you to your shadow and to get the process started this is not going to quote unquote solve anything a lot of the acceptance of your inner identity issues comes from very practical things How I said in the last one, where a lot of times self-help books are too practical on the um, breaking bad habits thing, I find that they're very much on point when it comes to creating new habits or helping you accept inner parts of yourself. So this is what you need for this ritual some kind of comfort item. I find that a lot of times having a stuffed animal or just a pillow to hold is incredibly useful for a time like this um, because this is mainly going to be a meditative um, ritual. You're also going to need two mugs. One of them should be empty and the other one should be filled with the beverage of your choice. I suggest water because there's going to be a lot of meditating and if you have tea or something it's going to get cold really fast. But um... If you don't, if you want to have tea, like have tea or coffee, whatever you want to put in your mug because you'll drink it. So it's up to you. Okay. So this ritual starts the same way the other one did by casting a circle or setting a sacred space as according to your practice. You should get your items together. So sit in a comfortable position with your comfort item. You should have both cups full of your liquid. One of them is an offering cup for your inner shadow. You're not going to touch this cup. You're going to leave it on your altar. It may not be with you during this meditation. You may grab it after the meditation. It may be something you put on your altar before you go to bed. This is an offering cup. The other one is for you to have, and it's going to symbolize something at the end of the ritual. So begin to sit in a comfortable position and meditate. It's important to get yourself grounded while you do this. The comfort item is also there to help you stay grounded because you're probably going to have to address trauma, even if it's quote-unquote light trauma, like a girl telling me that my eyebrows are too far apart. Um, It's still going to (laughs) hurt. It's still trauma. It's still going to hurt. And so it's important for you to I think it's important to have like a grounding item or to ground yourself really well. A good exercise for grounding is a meditation I talked about in my COVID-19 ritual that I posted last week. So that's a meditation where you sit and you use four senses, sight, smell, hearing, and um, touch to get yourself in the moment in the place that you're sitting. So I suggest doing that, doing some hot fire breathing to help calm your chest and your throat area, and then to go and have access to your heart space. I do plan on releasing another episode that is truly all about the heart space, why it's important, and how to get there. Um, if you don't have a heart space, basically, it's your happy place. I'm sure you've heard about that in TV, like I've heard about that on TV and stuff like that. Put yourself in a place that feels so comfortable to you, um, even if that's your own bedroom, the same one you're sitting in right now. So if I was doing this ritual and I didn't have a heart space, I would probably, honestly, keep my eyes open and sit on my little futon back here and have my conversation back in my pillows um, because it's a comforting place for me. but you want to put yourself in a heart space um, or your happy place. and as you do this, I want you to envision your childhood self coming to sit next to you. This isn't as formal as it was with your demons so you don't have to imagine them sitting across from you at a table. Maybe you're sitting in the grass and they sit also on uh, cross-legged across from you. or maybe they are standing next to you at a party whatever, whatever it feels most natural. You should also already have your shadow picked out. I don't know if I said this already, but you should have an inkling of who you're going to meet. You can leave this one up to whoever wants to show up, um, but I feel like that's hard because a lot of times you're going to have randos, like people that, like random pieces of yourself that you don't need to do work on, like like, if it was me, it could be, like, the part of me that wants to play music. Like, yeah, I, yeah, we know that you're here. Why, like, you want to come hang out? Like, is that, <laughs> like, it could be something like that. Um, if you don't have anything in mind, if you're not aware, I suggest picking your inner child. A good age is six years old, right? About kindergarten age. Perfect age to pick your inner child, six or 11. Those are really two good years. Um, depending on (laughs) what kind of trauma you want to address. Adolescent, like, young adolescent trauma or very young childhood trauma. Like, you get to pick. Um, Obviously, you can do a teenager, too. Teenagers, I feel like, are easier to talk to because maybe as a teenager you were already journaling or you were already, like... Like, for me, it's easier to put myself back into my teenager brain because it wasn't that long ago. So pick whatever inner child age group whatever species of inner child I guess that you want to address if you're not sure exactly of what shadow you're going to be having a conversation with and let them come to you they should address you um, as yourself with your first name like you have a shared first name so they should address you I assume you have a shared first name I don't know Um, they should be dressed the way that they would have been dressed in that time period they should have the same hair same everything like we're not creating we're not creating the shadow the same way we were with the demon they should feel very authentic to who you were at the time Um, but at the same time if you're dealing with a shadow that does not have a visual identity for instance um you are addressing let's go back up to our list you're addressing your inner inner wild side, maybe you imagine them as a type of animal that you like. So um, maybe like you can pick an animal that represents your wild animal self best. So maybe for me, it's a pug. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, you just like pick an animal. Like, okay, you'll show up to me as a parrot or whatever and that is the person that you're gonna have a conversation with. I was- I hope that you guys were ex- expecting me to say like wolf or cougar or something and I'm like a pug and a parrot. Anyway, they should approach you if they're not in a physical version of yourself. They're part of you that has no true visual form. Allow- instead of creating one for them, allow it or them to create a visual for themselves. So just let whatever comes in for that shadow to come in and let that be its form. If it's ancestral things, maybe it's not even like ancestral cultural things. Maybe it's not even like a part of you. Maybe your grandmother is coming to talk to you or like who you imagine your ancestors to be. Something like that. So just envision it. And they come and they join you very amicably. Because this isn't... We're on a different landscape than we were when we were talking to our demon. This is very much like a family thing. This is They should feel very familial. Um, so invite them to come sit. If you already have your beverage offering laid out, you can suggest it to them and offer it to them. Um, you can imagine it resting in their hands. You can imagine it um, full and like warm in their hands and as you do this you should introduce yourself because even if they they probably know who you are and you probably know who they are but you should still introduce yourself Um, you should still hug them or shake their hand or whatever feels most natural for you and this is when you should begin the conversation so the conversation you're having is you need to explain to them why it was unsafe for them to be expressed Why you did not think that it was a good idea to let them out, essentially. Let them see the light. And I think you should explain yourself in full earnest, including any excuses that you think you need to make. Let yourself truly express why. And then you will know when you hit the deep core why, by the way. (laughs) You will know. Um, And when you feel like you're done, you should apologize. For it. That you should, you should just apologize for it. Um, and once you apologize, this is sort of a stopping point because now you're giving it back to your other side. And remember that your other side is also controlled by you. It may feel very disassociated at this point in your meditation, but you are also your other side. And so... You need to let yourself find an answer naturally. Do you forgive yourself? Um, And let yourself come to that answer naturally. If you're having a hard... Obviously, it's easy if you say, yeah, I forgive you. Like That's a very easy step, is if you immediately forgive. But if you're having a really hard time forgiving yourself, um, it's important to let yourself have time to process it. You need to accept that maybe you don't forgive yourself right now for having not expressed that part of yourself earlier um maybe your childhood self doesn't forgive you for doing this one thing that you did they made a decision to do but it's very important that um you process it and stay in the meditation while you process it Um, like I said, this is, like, super weird because you're disassociated at this point. You've, like, very much separated yourself from this other side of you. But I find that this disassociation helps keep things objective. It helps you see the shame and fear for what they are. Instead of feeling them very much emotionally, instinctively, it allows you to see them on the outside. Um... And again, let your beverage and your comfort item be grounding points for you if you're finding yourself getting overwhelmed. Because um, spiraling is bad. If you find yourself spiraling, you got to pull out right away. Stop everything. No point in going back. Spiraling is not good. Um, that's why we talk it out. That's why we do the shadow work, just to keep you from spiraling. But, um, yeah. So let yourself process. If you're still having trouble, that's okay. What you need to do is you need to find an answer. It's either no, I don't know yet, or yes, with more gray lines in between. Um, But once you have your answer, then you know it's time to stop, and you can let your shadow side process and rest. So then you break the meditation, essentially. You can ground yourself out, you can close your circle, and you're done. You can continue drinking your cup. Um, It's important to work on this every day until you can either accept yourself and um, forgive yourself, Or until you are for sure knowing you're not going to forgive yourself and you need to come up with practical ways to directly deal with that. And so that may be something like I have to make it up to myself and this is how I'm going to do it. It's important again to journal your exercise and journal what happens so that way you can reference it again. Also one thing I really like to do is I like to hug this comfort item or pick a very specific comfort item for each like manifestation or have one that feels like the size of a human and hug it and feel like I'm hugging that extra part of me. Um, Another good way to end this meditation is to hug the other piece of you back into your body. And of course, don't forget to empty your cup. That symbolizes how their form is once again going deep into your own and leave your cup out as an offering you can leave it out as an offering to your shadow and also to the guides ancestors and um, deities who have helped you during this ritual and then later when you're done the way you get rid of offerings is you dump the contents out into nature for nature spirits to consume that's how the offerings go away don't throw it in the trash don't put it down the drain you put it out so the squirrels can drink it okay (laughs) Okay, so that is essentially the two different kinds of shadow work you can do. Facing demons or consoling inner shadows. So then you did the ritual. Now what do you do? How do you deal with this every day in life? And this is where the mundane part of the ritual comes into play. So if you've noticed, I included journaling in both of these rituals. I think journaling is so important. And for me, journaling has not even, has like... I haven't done real quote unquote real journaling in forever where you write your day and like all your inner secrets. I don't do that anymore. I use like lists. I write bullet points. So like if I was doing this, I would write like, I would write a bullet point. This is what the character looked like. I would write like, this is what they said. Like this is, I would just like make an outline of what happened and it feels like notes. Notes feel so much more accessible to me because journals, I don't got enough time or emotional energy to write it out like that. Um, but it's important to journal, so that way you have a record, (laughs) essentially. And that way, if you find yourself falling back into, like, the demon comes back, or, like, you forgot that you forgave your shadow, you can read it. And instead of having to do all that work again, you can sort of refresh your brain. But then you have to make real tangible changes in your everyday life. Um, like... Calling yourself out on toxic behaviors you're doing, like calling yourself out when you are when you do the demon, like when you do it, you gotta say, oh, I'm doing the demon, I suck. Like calling yourself out, you can create habit trackers to help you break any bad habits that you have, um, you can actively oppose pressures that cause you to have shame, so you can call other people out basically. Or you can ask your friends and family for accountability. You can begin to participate in things that your shadows would want you to participate in. For instance, if you feel like you're truly a goth on the inside, maybe you can start wearing darker makeup, uh, actively expressing yourself in ways that feel most natural to you, and starting small and working your way up, of course. And it's the mundane work where you'll see the most progress in your everyday life, to be honest. It's the boring, non-magical stuff um, that will get you there. Alright, so now what do you do? Well, it's um, after the full moon. So it looks like you're going to be doing some demon facing shadow work. Because I suggest you just jump right in. The best time to do shadow work is when you're safe. In a safe space and time. I don't know about you, but I'm still under quarantine. In my own home, I still have security in my home and in my job. So it's a very safe time for me to do shadow work. And to do like self-care. may not be for you right now. But if it is, I highly suggest jumping in. Um, Always start journaling. You can start journaling before you're ready to do the the actual shadow work rituals. You can start learning about your demons and your inner shadows. Exploring who they are and how they affect you right now. A good way to do this is to set up habit trackers. Um, Set up things like, um, I want to work out this many times. A week and then after a week you've noticed you only did it one time you can ask yourself why why can I not work out what is keeping me and then it's like oh well I'm in quarantine so I literally have 24 hours in a day to do whatever I want um, looks at, I like I'm not working out because I view working out a punishment for whatever oh why that oh because when I was in gym in just eighth grade my gym teacher traumatized me by making gym punishment like you can go through it that way And so you can use like practical things to help you find it if you're not ready to do the actual ritual. Um, Another big point I want to make. Self-care is the most important thing to do after shadow work. Shadow work is exhausting. So you need self-care to make sure you can continue functioning. Um, Self-care is things like taking a nice warm bath after you do your shadow work and exfoliating off all of the like, ugh. another good thing to do is take a nap if you got time. Drink uh, 30 ounces of water <laughs> if you got a 30 ounce cup. Um, another good thing to do is go for a jog or go work out or do whatever kind of exercise you can do while social distancing or petting an animal. Like, all of this is really good self care. Of course, you can do a very luxurious, like, beauty ritual as well. Um, but understand that if. If you're going to be doing this really deep emotional work, you need to care for yourself really well as well. But yeah, I I want to know how it goes. Let me know. Um, If you feel like you need a little more support, you can always reach out to me. I will happily answer questions or help walk you through how to do a shadow working Um, ritual or exercise for you specifically you can just dm me on instagram i like always answer my dms unless you're some creepy person i'm not going to answer you but most of the time if you're my audience member i'm answering you can also email me at vella at velamore.com or if you want to stay in touch but you don't really want to like talk to me directly i send out these like little love notes every friday you can sign up for that too. The link for that is always in my show notes. And anyway, I want to end this podcast with a little journal prompt. So the prompt is, in what ways do my demons show up in my mundane everyday life? If I didn't feel fear or shame, who would I be? There you go. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Um, I'm gonna go to bed now because now it's dark. Actually, I'm not gonna do that. I'm probably gonna stay up till like 2 a.m. playing Animal Crossing. Oh yeah, best type of self-care is playing video games because you can just 100% zone out and not have to worry about doing that, um, about doing any anything ever again. Okay. All right. So okay, I'm just gonna get to it. Oh. Bye.